there's been a lot of change across the whole home recording space. Yeah. Everyone's suddenly needing to buy a microphone and learn how to use it. A lot of people are starting podcasts because now they've got the time. Everyone's doing it from home. Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. My guest today on Talk Design is Joe Efterhue. Joe is also known as Joe Crow, the audio pro. Now, Joe is an audio pro. That's what he does. He balances up the mess that we can make. Um, he works with bands. He works with music. He works with people. Joe, welcome to Talk Design. Thank you very much. It's so nice to be speaking to you finally and, and be on the podcast myself. Cool, man. Well, yes, you've done some work on the podcast, which has been really brilliant. I've really enjoyed what you've brought to it. <laughs> One of the things that fascinates me is in the design world um, or in the world, everything that isn't uh, made by nature is actually made by humans. And whether it's done well or not well comes down to the skill of the designer. And I put you in that skill set of being a designer because you take this mixture of, let's just say it's a recording artist, you take this mixture of music and you have their egos and um, talents to balance um, against a producer and against what you can hear yourself and what the outcomes they're trying to do. So it's, it's such a key component of dragging the thing together and yours actually kind of makes or breaks it. If I likened it to what we do, we draw some pencil pictures um, and we discuss them with a client and then at some point that ends up in a computer and then at some point somebody builds it and mm. uh, you're like the builder in this in this scenario where if you decide that it's a little bit more here, a little bit more there, it could change the whole aspect of what happened. Yes. So, did I get that about right? Yeah, I think so. So I do I mix music, as you know, and also edit podcasts and edit spoken word things and also do recording for artists in studios. And the role changes so differently. Like you say, the, the likening to the role of the builder. I, I agree with that. That probably works as a good analogy for when I'm recording. So they've written, written their music, like you'd write plans for a building. Um, yep. And then it's about them telling me what they want and me seeing if I can put it together to fit their blueprint, so to speak. And then with mixing as well, it's it's similar, but the, the role can change so much depending on, on the artist or, or the band. Sometimes it'll be a case of they know exactly what they want. Um, it'll be just up to you to, to make something as close to that as possible. Or maybe if they're less experienced, you've got to try and kind of pull it out of them. Yeah, it right. It takes a little bit more work. That's that's very much like when you design a house for somebody. Um, they think they know exactly what they want, but they don't have the experience to necessarily know. They don't know what they don't know. And so you're, yeah, very much pulling it out of them. That's you, you You're decoding them. You're looking for the nuances that tell the story. And I imagine when you're recording music or um you know songs how you tell the story or the the pace and the tempo and the um what parts matter or, or what parts need to be highlighted at what points is what tells the story same with a podcast though same mm. with a, any any spoken thing you know the emphasis that gets put on each word the weight that gets put on each word or on each sentence is really key as well to how others perceive it 
Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Um, like you say, with the client, some of them take a little bit more work. So I was recording a band on the weekend, a band of young lads, sort of 16, 17 year olds. What's their name in case they end up super famous and uh, can... <laughs> uh, retroactive, they're called. Oh, yeah. And yeah. one of them, their dad is quite a well-known mixing engineer. He's mixed for Kylie and, and some other um, pop names. So they've got a quite a good understanding of how the whole thing works. Um, but then I was in the studio with them for most of the day, just the band. And there's a lot more guidance going on and trying to kind of pull the ideas out of them, as opposed to when 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 the when the guy's dad, the mixing engineer, is there, and it's it's more that you're taking a little bit of a backseat and and just listening, and they're having the final say, and it's just about getting as close to their vision as possible. So, so when you're listening to say a band, um, and you're you know they're putting down their tracks nowadays, everybody kind of does it separately, don't they? It's very they, they, yes. everybody's recorded separately. It's not like it's just in one big room with a whole bunch of mics. So everybody's recorded separately. What happens there? Like you you can up and down volumes and change all those kind of things. But what happens, like you say, with you know a bit more guidance? What sort of stuff happens in that space? Well, it can vary a lot with the different kinds of producer. There'll be some producer, well, for starters, the, the word producer gets used a lot. But if I'm just recording a band and, and they know exactly how they want it to sound and they, they know where the mics should be placed and, and things like that, it's more of just an engineer role um, mm-hmm. and they'll be kind of producing themselves in a way. It's kind of half technical, half creative, um, kind of deciding how things should sound and where things should go. But then if if I'm taking more of a, a producer role, I might be suggesting things that they can do. For example, if they've done a vocal on a track and then I could suggest maybe a Maybe do a backing vocal there. Layer something and, into it. Yeah. Or if they've a band who plays live, so they've got so they've got one guitarist, for example, they might think, yep. okay, I've recorded the guitar, now that's done. But in the studio, on a professional record these days, like you've got the possibility of a huge amount of tracks. It's not like back in the day where you had to fit a whole band on a, on four or eight tracks. You're very rarely hearing like one guitar on on a record now. It will be ten, maybe. So you'll be yeah, right. recording recording a guitar with two mics and then it's up to the engineer to decide what mics to use where to place them how to blend those two together because it might sound like one thing coming out of their amp but when it's recorded it's all down to what what you've plugged it into um, what mics you've used the placement and then i might suggest they double it up and then play two more and, and and you can have them on each side of in the speakers there's just a huge amount of scope now and depending on sort of the experience of the band and if they know what they want, then there's, there's quite a lot of creativity involved just in the recording stage. Yeah, yeah, that's fabulous. That's I, I love that. Well, it, go from that to something that um, we were talking about before we started recording, which uh, was analog versus digital. And mm. um, I'm old enough that uh, all my first musical experiences were definitely in analog and um for me you know video killed the radio star kind of stuff it um analog i I don't know like music lost something when it became so digitized for me and maybe that's just lost something in my life because of timing and otherwise but i love i've always had a love of live music and the closest thing that i find to live music is vinyl is Mm. that's the closest I can I can sort of get to and and maybe funnily enough I just got one of these the other day I haven't fired it up yet but I just got a a cassette deck and uh, I also got a couple of reel to reels um, 
older, old equipment and yeah. uh, it'll probably all work. It, it was stored for many years and I'm really keen to sort of like fire that up and <laughs> have a listen yeah, um, and just see what there is because, you know, those old cassette tapes will be stretched and all those things, even the super, uh, the, not the super app, but the, the reel-to-reel stuff will probably be stretched. Who knows? Who knows? But a bit of fun. But tell me the differences between them and how that gap's got narrowed in the journey as digital's gone so far. Yeah, so th- there are so many aspects and so many points where things can change throughout a record. Like if you think of old recordings... Um, that were recorded to tape and they were recorded through analog gear and then they've gone on to record and and so on. So it's analog through the whole the whole process. Um, and now there's digital media formats, like you say, with streaming and, and on CDs yeah. and things. But then they could have been recorded using analog gear. Um, so it's a whole kind of the way that the music travels from the artist to the final media. There's so many points at which which digital or analog gear could be used right. um, and and they all have different because that's a you know it was the only way we got it it, it came analog 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 something i see when i go into um you know maybe where bands are playing this is i'll see that they've got really old equipment i don't want to use willie nelson's trigger as an example but he's got a guitar with a hole in the front of it because he's strummed it so often yeah but it's it, it's really old equipment and you'll see that they you know joe bonamassa has you know hundreds of vintage guitars. Why not just use a new one? You know, that, that's kind of my thing is like, and, and is analog back in that that piece of it? Do we approach it like that? Yeah. And I like that thing that you said, like there's so many different sections of where it comes from. There's so many different pieces that each has a place, but whether that place is together or not, or whether one just picks up and takes the, carries the journey the rest of the way. There are a few different different aspects to it there's the the medium itself so whether you're listening to a record where you're listening to analog audio or you're listening to a digital recreation of it some prefer to listen to the the original analog to interrupt you there what do they get if they prefer to listen to that auditory other than experience what do they get auditory if they are choosing to listen to it that way versus if it was digital yeah it's it's very hard to sort of get inside people's heads and when when you see people talking about it on forums and things and they're discussing which is better it's hard to tell because if somebody if one person says they're listening to it this way and it sounds great you don't know what their setup is like exactly so there are there are so many different aspects they could be listening to a record player uh, an old record player that yep. just has this certain kind of maybe graininess or little bit of noise to it their needle and, could be worn their- yeah and yeah, so anything exactly so it's technically the spin speed could be not quite 33 and a third you know like yeah the the band the belt could be warped a little <laughs> so they're listening to something that technically is wrong but in a good way it, it's yeah but then everyone's gonna have different experiences of that it's like i was listening to led zeppelin the other day and i heard that one of the guitar notes was off it was like he hit a bum note and it was just jarring it's like oh my goodness i haven't heard a bad note on a guitar in in decades of rock music you know they don't keep them in anymore yeah right those are gone it was kind of nice 
it was like, oh wow, you can really like feel the band in in the studio playing and or live and messing up a note, and it just felt a lot more real. I don't know whether whether you're better off being able to dissect music that hard, or whether you're more like me where it floats pa- right past you and you never knew there was a bum note in there. But maybe there is a real thing of your subconscious, even at my level of understanding, your subconscious maybe picks that up and it feels more authentic. Yeah, I think even if you don't notice, you probably you'll yeah. you know you're brain notices and um and just the way they you know recorded things with real room sound reverberation you can tell that john bonham's drums were recorded in in a hallway or whatever as as opposed to you know a digital reverb it's just a combination of of lots of different things but then there's also the the argument of the actual format itself that you lose some kind of fidelity when you when you convert something to a digital a digital signal so if you you mean if you take it from um live recording or from the studio recording or do you mean if you take it from a previous recording that was analog if you recorded something to tape instead yep. of recording something directly into a computer but then again a- again there are so many variables like back in the day they were well i mean people still do use analog preamps a a preamp basically what what you plug a microphone into to sure to get the level loud enough but the old analog gear it gives it a kind of dirt because when you when you drive volume into old analog gear it gives it this kind of this kind of dirt like like you'd get if you put distortion on a guitar whereas if you Yep. If you drive a lot of level into a computer, it just sounds horrible, which is why you just avoid it when you when you're which is on a which is where the the old analog amp and the old that that stuff becomes part of the instrument. Yeah, exactly. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's something that um, we we don't get when it's just purely digital. In fact, as a sound guy, you have to add that dirt or nuance to it. Yeah, you that's can. Where, that's where you start designing the sound. You can add that after, but you know, there's there's a happy medium and a combination of both. And I think if you just consider all the tools at your disposal, um, the studio I'm recording in recording out of the weekend, we're recording with analog preamps, but then it goes onto a computer. But I think another thing about maybe the reason why you prefer the medium over digital media is, like you say, it, it takes a little bit of time to put a record on or even a CD um, mm-hmm. because I I never had records, but you can see. Behind me, I've got a load of CDs. I and can. It's like one of those old CD racks. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think many people bother with those anymore, but there's just something about taking out and putting the CD in. It's that, a process. You know, we've not put one in a house for uh, maybe 30 years. So. Mm, yeah, <laughs> not surprised. <laughs> I have got a, I've got a cupboard full of them as well. I think it puts you in a musical mood um, rather than just kind of skimming through stuff on, on Spotify or... I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that um, it, it, it's actually a process and so it's a transition. It, you transition from what you were doing to listening to music mode. You know, I have a, a Friday night um, gig at my house where I cook pizzas um, for the family and I don't actually really like the family being in the kitchen with me or anything. If they're happy mm. to sit on the bench and, you know, swing their legs and hang out and not say too much, I'm all good because I put on music that just I want to listen to. And it's not necessarily music for everybody. It's just music that I enjoy. And it's not, you know, big loud music or anything. It's just it's music that I enjoy. And otherwise I, I don't get a space just to listen to it. And I can make pizzas, feed my family and yeah. listen to my music kind of thing. But I do it online because it's 
that it's convenient. Yeah, Spotify. Yes. Yeah. There is the convenience factor as well. Yeah, absolutely. So when you go from, say, taking music like that and where you're um, playing with it, I suppose, or, or designing it, and you get to something like the recorded, uh, home recorded voice t- stuff like podcasts and like, you know, people are recording so much now and in, in the sense of Zoom meetings and things like that. Tell me a bit about that space and what you do with it and how that affects things. Yeah, there's been a lot of change across the whole sort of home recording space because of the pandemic. So yeah. everyone's suddenly needing to buy a microphone and learn how to use it. A lot of people are starting podcasts because now they've got the time and everyone's doing it from home and they might not have the best setup. So I think we're we're seeing a lot more podcasts and home recordings, seeing a lot more low quality voice recordings. Yeah. Because no one's recording them at sort of podcast studios anymore. They're using their own sort of cheap mics and things and their room isn't set up right. But at the same time, I think it will probably kind of improve in in quality quite rapidly when people start to experiment with things at home um, and realise, you know, the majority of people at the moment I get spoken word and podcast from, they haven't used any kind of pop filter or grill over a microphone. It would be a kind of, uh, well, you've got You've got the grill there, it's kind of built in. But when sometimes people have a headset and it won't have anything built in and you're getting a lot of this kind of sound that kind of blows into the microphone, it's it's not a problem. And I'd I'd rather people sort of just got in there and recorded rather than think, you know, I don't have the right equipment or anything. I'd rather just hear people and let people be creative and stuff. And then let you fix it. Yeah, it doesn't make my job harder. You've got to pick out all those P those P sounds, um, plosives, yeah, right. as, as we call them. With that, if you leave them in, it probably just becomes distracting or annoying for the listener. Yeah. With audio quality, especially with sort of casual listening like podcasts and and things like that it's it's more about what the what the listener doesn't hear than what they do hear like with with some music the band or whoever's listening might notice some some little tricks that you used yep. and think that sounds really cool or in an audio file space but when people are just listening to zoom calls or you know recordings or uh, podcasts or things you just you just want them to not notice the audio in a, in a way absolutely it's the content you want them to hear not the way it was delivered as such in the sense of the medium it was delivered it's you want them to listen to the content yeah and anything that takes away from that is is distracting it can make people turn off podcasts if if the audio quality is bad from the start so if it's kind of tinny or getting a lot of rustling of jewelry and things like that yeah it it can just be so distracting so as a tip for people there what would you suggest like I, i know lots of guys who record on zoom and i've got some that are recorded on Zoom as well. Um, and that's when I can't have my other stuff work uh, that I use. So I'll just record it on Zoom and then I send it to you, Joe, and say, yeah, it's on Zoom. You do something with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what would you say to people about um, little tips and tricks if they are recording that way? What what can help them improve it and then make it easier for someone like yourself to improve it? I think firstly, just getting prepared uh, anything that could cause noise or interrupt sort of putting a stop to that like vibrating phones and and things like that Um, we heard mine go before oh did we yeah Yeah. it's not a problem as long as it's not when somebody else is talking because then I'll have to make a decision. Do I lose the the speech or the or just keep the phone noise? Yeah. But yeah, and then getting your room 
set up right as well and getting the right microphone, the right equipment. Because there are two main kinds of microphones that people are normally buying for for these situations, Zoom calls and podcasting things. Mm -hmm. They'll either be getting condenser microphones, which need power and they also have a kind of a longer range, they're a lot more sensitive. They pick up a lot more of the room sound. Or they'll be Is that what I have? I'm not sure, actually. I've got a Yeti Nano. Yeah, I'd have to look it up. Okay. I'm not hundred yeah. percent sure. But your your audio quality is good, regardless. Right. I mean it's a quality microphone. And then you've got dynamic microphones which don't require power and they're a lot more close range. They don't tend to pick up room sound. So if you've got a room, for for anyone who's recording at home, if you've got a room that isn't is kind of echoey or you've just got kids running around or you know yeah. a, a, not, you're in the kitchen, there's a noisy fridge or something, then dynamic mics probably best for that. You can you can get USB ones and for sort of $50 okay. or whatever. But yeah, it, when you don't have that echoey room sound, it really it's it's much nicer to listen to and it, it's much more intimate um, for the listener as well because it sounds like you're closer and they're not sort of off doing something else at the same time ah, right so it sounds like you're talking to them as opposed to as you say um it's, it's like when you ring a call center and you can hear four yes. other people talking in the call center but it's just background yeah it's not they're not you don't feel like you're as special or as um front and center for them yeah it's, that's it's a really good example because that's something yeah. everyone can relate to trying to listen to somebody in a call center yeah yeah. But yeah, podcasts. The other day. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pain. <laughs> podcasts are really quite a personal thing, I think, because often you only have one or two people speaking. Um, you're like kind of listening into someone's conversation. And often people will be listening to them alone in the car or something rather than a communal thing. So yes. having that intimate voice in their ears, so that. to speak, is um, it makes it a lot more easy to listen to and, and get invested in. Yeah, I think that's a really key, a key thing. If anybody's trying to put their message out there or a message, whether it's a podcast or whether they're talking to a group of people, try and talk as if you're talking to one person yeah. and your attention's focused on them because it's one person who's listening, whether that's a thousand one people or it's you know, 10,000 one people, it's one person who's listening each time. That's yeah. a really, a really, really key delivery statement. Mm. Mm, I like that. But then, you know, there are going to be people who either can't get their hands on, on certain equipment or sure. can't afford it or they don't have the space. And that's fine. Like I said, it's better if people just get their get their ideas down because um, yeah. there are things that I can do to try and um, help it sound a bit a bit more professional after the fact but Absolutely. generally I like to try and record like there's like there's no mixing like mixing doesn't exist yeah yeah which is the best is it so when I started mine um a guy Tim said to me just get yourself a decent mic don't worry about everything else so much, but get yourself something decent as a mic. And it was you know, early pandemic and there was no mics for sale. It was like I searched to get a mic and I'm like, really, mm. I need this thing. So anyway, I get the mic <laughs> and um, I recorded some stuff with him just first of all, just to test it out. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah, that's um, the mic's good. He said, but it's not working. And I'm like, what's, what do you mean it's not working? He goes, well, First of all, you're talking over the top of the mic. And so the mic's <laughs> getting a tiny percentage of what it is. The other is, is I need you to check the settings because on this Yeti Nano, it's got two lots of settings. One, if we were sitting opposite each other or in a room, it can pick up all the people and one where it's directly me. So make sure it's set directly on me. The other was you need to be have the mic up at a, a level 
that you're not talking over it. So you're talking into it. And I'm like, but I don't want a mic in front of my face kind of if I'm talking. And he's like, well, you do. And then he said the other one that uh, ended up with is, is my mic is two fists. Uh, for, nobody can see this, but if I put two fists together, one on top of each other, the mic is two fists away from my mouth, approximately. You got it. And with that... Um, that's a really nice ideal distance that probably stops a lot of the p and uh, all that kind of stuff, but still records everything that we're looking to record. And that mm. little tip just went, yep, cool. And I stand my mic on top of the box I bought it in. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't have it hanging from the ceiling or anything like that. Um, maybe when I build a better studio. Yes, yeah, it's a um, really good point, actually. It's talking into the microphone. I it's kind of the the most important thing, maybe. Yeah, well, I, I would suggest for anybody who's listening who's going to do some recording or does recording, whether it's a podcast or whether it is a, um, you know, they record stuff for work or they're talking to people for work even or whatever it is, is, you know, get on to Joe and get him to tell you how to set yourself up for your best success with the equipment you've got because it's, it's a, a low commitment in the sense of time and money to get this great advice from somebody who actually knows what they're talking about with it, where you're stepping into a brand new sphere as the person who's never done it before. Um, and yeah, just get that bit of investment, invest in a bit of coaching and a little bit of understanding of what will give you the best result. Um, because there are experts out there that this is what they do. This is, <laughs> this is, this is how they make their living and it's how they make other people sound fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a win-win. I I started putting some educational stuff on YouTube and on one of my websites as well to try and guide people on home recording and mixing and it all kind of works in tandem. If I can help people to record better at home and then also help them edit it together and it makes my job easier if if the audio is good quality to begin with but um either way well we'll post uh those links um joe sent them to me so we'll post those links uh so that you can look up joe and you know do that like um take take the tips from him as well and uh then you know get his professional advice on how to make things work because it's so much better when you've got uh some support people around you that do it which is yeah and it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. Like Joe sends me things and he says, oh, I, I gave this a try with this. And what do you think? Do you think this would be useful to you? And <laughs> just that stuff. It's like podcasting's an interesting thing because you get a lot of feedback directly from the person you talk to, um, which is really great. You, It's one of my reasons for podcasting is I love anything that's to do with design and people and connecting with people and I, I want to be able to share that with others who love that as well. The other is is that you are stepping into a space where the people that are listening to you don't know you and don't know your guest even often. Sometimes they will know your guest, but um, they generally won't know you until if you ever make it famous in doing this. And that wasn't never my sort of set out of intention. My intention was is to raise the level of the people I talk to in life and talk to people who are passionate about what they do. Um, yeah, because there's something to be learned from them and, and that they're passionate about helping others do things as well. Um, that's a really key point for me and, and people that I spend my time with. And this was a way of in pandemic. And, and even though I wanted to start it before, but I never got around to it in the pandemic, it was a, a really nice way to be able to do that. And, you know, talk to somebody who's in the UK versus somebody who's just in the street. Mm. Um, it's a yeah. fabulous medium. It's enlightening 
when you realize just just how much you can learn from talk, speaking to one new person and then from then you start speaking to other people and i mean i've made life decisions based on podcasts that i've listened to I, I i wish i'd got into listening to them earlier on to be honest only in the last couple of years i have but yeah you know, i feel like i owe podcasts in general just just because they've kind of changed my life in in some ways uh, look i totally agree with you with that and i certainly know that my wife would agree with you that my wife listens to a fabulous podcast called the guilty feminist mm. and um i listen to it occasionally it. it's it, it's it is hilarious yeah it, but just yeah like it's it's kind of in her daily weekly or probably not daily but weekly routine is just to get an episode of it under her belt yeah. and laugh and you know i'll i'll be watching her do something and she'll have a headset in and she'll be laughing about something. I'm like, what is it? And she's like, oh, you won't believe what they just said. Like it's like a, a comedy but with beyond comedy in it. And I certainly know that I've changed things um, through the guests that I've spoken to lots, lots. Mm. I don't think there's a guest that I've had yet that hasn't had an impact, that hasn't tweaked something that uh, I've shifted in what I yes. do. Yeah. Yeah, I try and listen to a nice wide variety because you, you get to hear all those different voices, and like, it'll, yeah. it'll be it'll be something a little heavier in the morning, like a, a business related or some kind of environmental podcast, and then in the evening um, it'll be something comedy just to to round things just off, light, <laughs> lighten the day off. I love yeah. that. It's like, it's like starting with coffee and finishing with wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So if you had a, a couple of tips and tricks for, for listeners, whether it be home recording or whether it be, you know, a musician, give us a couple that uh, people can do as takeouts from here. First one that I always say is record like there's no mixing. I mentioned it earlier. Sometimes artists, including myself, when I'm recording, producing myself, have a tendency to think, oh, that, that doesn't sound quite right or you know I, have, I haven't hit the right note when I'm singing or I haven't said the right thing but it's all right I can fix it in the, the mix or fix it in the edit but I try to avoid that way of thinking I think it's, it's so much more satisfying when you can just get it get the recording right it makes every subsequent process on that song or, or podcast a lot easier and yeah it just helps you sort of become a better musician or or speaker if you just try and get it right to begin with so go go live mode go live mode in your in your thinking yeah yeah exactly like, like you're like you're playing live yeah and also listen to listen to a lot of reference material so if you're starting a podcast presumably you're going to have listened to a lot of other podcasts before but really try and critically listen think about where things are being placed where the, the kind of fades come in on the music and and how they're starting what kind of questions and greetings they're opening with and things like that and then with music i, I always recommend listening to reference tracks um for anyone mixing the best way of sort of knowing what a pro record's supposed to sound like is just listening to a reference before. Um, and I always ask yeah, right. musicians. So I'll ask, what records do you like? What albums do you love the sound of? And then if I'm going to record them or mix them, I'll just listen to loads of that artist beforehand and get that sound, that drum sound or that vocal sound in my head. So when it comes to record, that's kind of what my brain is telling me those instruments are supposed to sound like. Yeah, awesome. That's a fabulous tip, you know. Um, it, it, as you say, with podcasts, I listen to yeah, not that many, but quite a few. Um, and I do tend to be a little bit narrow. I mm. tend to listen to ones I love, you know, like I, I love Debbie Millman's work and stuff like that. So, And Chase Jarvis, I, I really enjoy their style. And so, yeah, I tend to be a little bit narrow in what I listen to. Um, but then... 
if yeah, it's the it, style you're but, going for, then and it's well, then it's, it, it's not necessarily a style I'm going for. I just um, maybe it relates when I hear it. Mm. Um, and yeah, I don't know that. That's a really interesting point because I I will also just go, yep, cool. Somebody will tell me about one. I'll go, sh- you just share that with me, and they'll share it with me, and I'll listen to it. Um, but I don't. I'm probably a shocker with this. I don't dissect it. I don't analyze. I listen to what they're saying um, and I have to actually listen to it again if I'm going to analyze those pieces. But I'll listen to something. And this is where I love working with you, Joe, is, is I'll go, so you know, could we put that music with those voices or, or whatever? And you'll go, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Or you'll go, you could do it this way. Yeah. And uh, the nuances might get lost on me, but you've actually thought about it and you've created it. And that's working with a designer again. That's back to that thing. It's using somebody else's skill set to be able to pull those pieces together. And I I really appreciate that because for me, it's easier to connect with people, talk to them than to analyze how it would sound best. I say that. And then I also listen to some podcasts and I go, I love the way they did that. So I'll make a note of that and go, yeah, I could do that. Listening, um, but yeah, yeah I mean, we've talked a lot about music and podcasts. But even with visual media, TV and films, I think you can get away with video bad video quality a lot more than you can get away with bad audio quality. And right. it, again, it's something people take for granted because they're not really listening for it, but they'll notice it if there's something wrong. Like you, there are films that have been stylistically recorded to look bad, like the Blair Witch Project or something like that. Sure, um, yep, and it's got that kind of grainy nature to it and that doesn't bother you because it puts you in that frame of mind that the that the film's supposed to be portraying but if the audio was bad as well or instead and you couldn't really make out what people were saying and it was kind of a bit tinny or whatever it would mm-hmm. i don't think it would be anywhere near as watchable because it just I, gets I, uh, distracted 100% agree um you know like last night I was sitting watching some um tv and I was well Netflix and I was watching Dave Letterman my next next guest needs no introduction and whatever the setting was on our tv I'm like ah oh, I'm not hearing it clearly I can yes I enjoy watching it but nowhere near as much as I enjoy hearing it and yeah. so I had to play around with the settings on the tv to get a better sound out of it yeah. So that I totally agree with that. Like it's such a key point. Yeah, um, the audio makes all the difference. Not there. Yeah. It's it's like going to a restaurant, you know, if the food's brilliant and the service is crap, well you won't go back for the food. Yeah. Because the service yeah. is what makes the experience. Um yeah. and you you'll be I've got restaurants where I won't go back for that reason. The the service was really average. Food was divine, but I'm not going to pay the extra for the experience to be disappointed by the service. And the same with audio. If um, I can't hear it, I've lost the main part of my understanding. Yeah, and especially when audio can be such a passive thing if you're listening in the car or when exercising. Um, yeah. yeah, you're not. your concentration isn't always 100% there, so it's going to be even harder to hear exactly what's going on when if the audio is bad. So if, if people um, treat it as if they're recording live, and then they work on getting the right um, environment for their audio and, uh, and, and, you know, as good equipment as they can afford, I suppose, um, mm. is, is the key to that. And then looking to how they um, are talking to one person at a time as opposed to thinking that they're talking to an audience of millions. Yeah. Be nice little tips. Yeah. Ultimately, though, um, if, if people can't afford the gear, there is normally – sort of workarounds and things and it shouldn't stop sure. people yeah look up joe crow audio and uh, talk to joe and he'll <laughs> tell you 
either how to work around Zara or he'll do it for you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, I think that's part of the that's part of what it is, isn't it? It's use an expert to do an expert's job. Use somebody yes. who, who knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, there are certainly experts that I need for certain aspects of business and things. Sure, sure. I'm it's not uh, going to try and do myself. Yeah, absolutely. But Joe, that's fascinating stuff, man. I've really enjoyed our chat. For you to get in touch and to understand a bit about what Joe does, we'll have this on our talkdesign.show website. You can look at it on there. But also it's joecrowaudio.com. Then also if you do search on YouTube, Joe Crow the Audio Pro on YouTube, you will find a whole bunch of his tips and tricks and how to make life better for you on your recordings and He's a bit of training on there. So, Joe, I really appreciate those things because, you know, not everybody's going to just reach out to you, but they can actually reach out on the social media side of it and um, yes. learn some stuff as well. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. No worries, man. Thank you so much for the interview. It's um, been fabulous. I have a page of notes, um, as usual, uh, of things that I've learned and maybe my podcast will improve even from here. Oh. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to editing it as well. I'm going to listen back to our pearls of wisdom. <laughs> Let's hope we've got a couple. Cheers, man. That's all right. Thank you very much. Hi, my name's Richard Petrie. And if you're a designer who's frustrated by not winning the type of projects with clients who really value great design, go to a new webinar training I'm going to give you where I'll teach you how to win higher value design projects where fees is not the number one priority. Go to Arch Marketing dot org forward slash talk design